Welcome to episode four of Tick Boot Camp's podcast. I'm Richard Johannesson. And I'm Matt Sabatello. And the title of today's podcast is A History of Failure. Matt, the State of the Union, the Tick State of the Union or the Lime State of the Union is an absolute disaster. We have uh, over 500,000 people diagnosed with Lyme disease last year, according to the Wall Street Journal study of health insurance claims. We have the CDC acknowledging that there are 300,000 cases of Lyme disease in the U.S. alone. Uh, The percentage of people or the number of people being diagnosed with Lyme disease is increasing incrementally. We have uh, have the Lyme war uh, occurring where we have a whole group of doctors who are denying that chronic Lyme disease exists and as a consequence of of denying that Lyme, uh, chronic Lyme disease exists. We have insurance companies refusing to pay for the care that these patients need. We have doctors being sanctioned, in some cases losing their license as a consequence of treating patients with long-term uh, Lyme disease. Uh, we have patients um, uh, suffering from mental illness and in some cases committing suicide because the disease is attacking them and they're not being treated. Or in, in addition to that, they feel like they're not being acknowledged as people who are sick or people who are disabled. It's an absolute disaster. And I'm just wondering, Matt, um, how we got here. Because in 1975, there was a, a discovery. Um, and if we look at the historical retelling of what happened in 1975, you would think between 1975 and 2019 that the work that had been done by, uh, by the doctors at Yale University and the team of doctors who had discovered the, uh, the Lyme bacteria, that we would have had a solution to this problem by now. But the opposite is true. What we have is a problem that's ever increasing. We have folks who are writing books entitled Lyme, The First Epidemic of Climate Change by Mary Beth Pfeiffer. We have nothing but failure, and I can't help to think, Matt, that this failure is a consequence of the historical record that began in 1975 and has moved forward. I'd like to know what your thoughts are on that. That's right, Rich. So the number of people that are being impacted by tick diseases is increasing significantly. And this is really just resulting in one thing, and that's suffering. People are suffering from tick-borne diseases, and they're not getting the diagnosis they need, they're not getting the treatments they need, and they're not getting the support they need from anybody. And as you noted, back in 1975, this was a, this is when it first came to light about Lyme disease. But the two mothers, they were Polly Murray and Judith Mensch in Lyme, Connecticut. They noticed that many kids in their community were having this this Lyme arthritis. And uh, from there forward, it just it, it they made a, it went to the medical community and they did their thing. And we haven't come you know that that much further along since 1975. It's really really a sin. So Matt, as you know, I've I've probably read all of the major books that have been written on Lyme disease and tick diseases over the course of the last several months. And uh, one of the things that I've seen that's been consistent from book to book to book, whether it's been written by a Lyme victim or it's been, it's been uh, written by a researcher, uh, whether it's been, been written by a doctor or it's been written by a mother, uh, that um, there is this history that seems to be accepted, which begins with uh, Polly Murray and Judith Mensch essentially uh, you know, crying out as damsels in distress. And coming riding in on his white horse um, is uh, Yale-educated uh, Dr. Alan Steer, who has to give both Judith and Polly, who had made these long-term observations, some 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 uh, 
give them some credibility by bringing in his medical training and and his uh, and his investigative investigative tools to confirm what they had been seeing. And um, after uh, uh, Dr. Steer um, had named this disease after the community where uh, where these two wonderful women had uh, made their observations, it inspired folks to in the medical community to do some additional investigatory work. That's and right. that and that began, of course, right here on Long Island, Mad on Shelter Island. It did. So from 1975 up until 1981 is when Dr. Benach was taking samples of ticks out on the East Coast here in Long Island, New York and was dissecting them and analyzing them. He had sent a couple over to Dr. Bergdorfer to get some assistance with those ana- that analysis. Uh, Bergdorfer. Bergdorfer, I'm sorry, jumping ahead. And uh, Dr. Bergdorfer is the one who actually found the bacteria in the tick that causes Lyme disease, and it's in the shape of sort of like a corkscrew. And that was a major revelation to identify the bacteria in the tick that is causing this disease that has caused so much harm to so many people. So let's walk this back, Matt. So we have, we have two women um, who are concerned that their children are sick. And when they, when they begin to uh, make demands first upon their government and then ultimately upon one of the uh, local universities, uh, we have Dr. Steer coming out and doing his work and um, that then triggered the work that was done by Dr. Banash, who is uh, you know, a professor right here at Stony Brook University um, in close proximity where we're sitting today. And Dr. Banash makes his observations and, and he, he decides um, that he, well, he sees something that he didn't, he didn't expect when he was doing his, um, he's doing his dissection. So he sends it to Dr. Willie Bergdorfer. Uh, who elicits the assistance of uh, Dr. Uh, Barber, and they discover the the um, the the, uh, the Lyme, Lyme disease, bacteria, the bacteria, yeah. the bacteria uh, and um, we would think that should be the beginning of the end of this problem, right? So we have uh, essentially four super superheroes in the traditional uh, retelling of the history of Lyme disease. Superhero one, Dr. Steer. Uh, superhero number two, Dr. Banash. Superhero number three, Doctor uh, Doctor uh, Bergdorfer, uh, and uh, and uh, superhero number four, Doctor Barber. And I, I think Matt, that is one telling of the of the of the history of Lyme disease. And I think perhaps one of the reasons why the disaster that we find ourselves in the middle of, a disaster that's growing worse and worse by the year, is is in part caused by that telling of the story. And I think so much so where that telling of the story is so prominent that the, the Lyme bacteria was actually named after Dr. Bergdorfer and they named it the three Bs. So it's a, the, you know, B3 for after Dr. Benach, Bergdorfer, and Dr. Barber. So that seems to be the prominent story out there that people have accepted, that these are the guys who identified the, the bacteria, who identified a test to identify the bacteria in a blood sample. And they named and, it after themselves. And they named it after themselves. That's correct. So here's the, here's the challenge. I, I think one of the challenges that we have, of course, is that we have doctors who are doing this work. And the, and the challenge that we have with doctors who are the heroes in this historical retelling of events uh, relating to Lyme disease is twofold. First, they're taking all the credit. Right. Second, it doesn't take into account the limits associated with doctors doing the investigation. What I mean by that is because doctors are doing the investigation, they're looking purely at sick people. Right. They're looking purely at the cause of the sick people, and they're, and they're looking purely at how do you find a way of defining what is making the person sick and killing 
that which is making the, the person sick. And unfortunately, the, the uh, limits of the medical profession, and more importantly, the egos associated with the cowboys who we are, who we are defining as doctors, does not take into account the larger breadth of, um, of the relationship between ticks and, um, and the bacteria that causes Lyme disease, and the problems that, um, that humans have had from the beginning of our time on Earth uh, with uh, ticks and Lyme disease. And um, I think we have to uh, recognize that because um, we are defining the doctors as the heroes, and not the mothers as the heroes, we've taken a particular path of uh, dealing with this issue. And the path that we've taken, and we've invested a lot of government money, billions of dollars, and we've invested a great deal of, of, of uh, not-for-profit money and, and, and research money into finding the disease and killing the disease rather than looking at it in a larger context. That's right. I think, Rich, in summary, the state of medicine today and the state of the medical community today cannot solve this problem with Lyme disease and other tick diseases. So humans and humans have, have been combating ticks and tick diseases for many years. We know that ticks have been around with the Lyme bacteria since uh, millions of years ago based on a fossil we found uh, you know, preserved from, from millions of years ago. And that and fossil is located in the American Museum of Natural History here in New York. That's right, and they're actually around biting dinosaurs many, many millions of years ago. So, so now humans have been sort of evolving to adapt to ticks, and ticks have been evolving to adapt to humans. And it's been this ongoing battle where humans evolve to detect ticks, and then ticks evolve to go un undetected. And we're at a point now where, uh, unfortunately, people, many people are bitten by ticks, and they don't even know that a tick was on them or it was biting them. And now the medical community cannot address this problem, and it's just it's getting compounded and getting worse and worse and worse. When there are other avenues we can look at to potentially move forward with this problem. So perhaps might have to do as a retelling of this history. Perhaps if the heroic figures in this historical retelling of events was um, was uh, Polly Murray and Judith Mensch, we would we we would have taken a different path, and perhaps we would have been m much further along in uh, resolving the problem. And what I mean by that is. If it were Ms. Mensch and Ms. Murray who we named um, this discovery after, if it was Ms. Mensch and Ms. Murray who we had who we had named this um, this bacteria after, we would have acknowledged the true heroes in this case, and we may have taken the path where, during the course of the um, time that um, humans have been on Earth in in our various forms, we went from being an animal of of, of no significance to the most dominant creature on earth. And during the course of that time, there were ticks who were biting humans. There were ticks who were spitting Lyme disease bacteria into us. Yet we continued to progress and we continued to succeed. And I think if we had looked at these two women as the heroes, we would have recognized why we have been able to deal with these challenges uh, despite them being a part of the human condition long before the agricultural revolution, long before the cognitive revolution, right. and certainly long before uh, the industrial revolution. And what I mean by that is mothers are the most important people in the lives of children, meaning when, when, uh, when children are small and they are facing threats, it's the mothers who are largely protecting them from those threats. So when children during, during the early developmental period of humans during the, during the uh, precognitive revolution, they were protecting their children. 
from, from, from ticks. Then mothers were teaching their children how to protect themselves from ticks when, uh, when these children were gaining independence and they were, and they were beginning to traverse in, um, in their environment. And that information that these children were taking with them into their adult lives, what, what was allowed to protect them. These children learned the social skills that were necessary to be safe from ticks, such as tick checks. And we right. know that there are chemical reactions on both the person who is doing the grooming or checking and the person who's being groomed, which encourage that kind of behavior. We know that we, we, um, we evolved or changed so that we would have uh, particular skills that would allow us to locate parasites if they were biting us, such as our fingertips and, and, the, and, the, uh, and the large bundle of nerve endings that support those fingertips. And there are many other evolutionary tools, such as gossip, and fear and other tools that allowed us collectively to get through a very hostile um, period of time to go from being insignificant to being dominant. Right. And I think, Rich, if mothers were the ones leading this charge, uh, daily tick checks and things like that would be part of your daily routine. So it would be no different than brushing your teeth in the morning when you wake up and, and you know, taking a shower every morning you know, when you wake up. It, a tick check would be part of that. To, to while you're showering, to check your body for ticks. You come out of the woods to check your body for ticks, and there would be much more of a knowledge transfer from mothers to their children to protect them from ticks and these horrible diseases that they carry. But since it's in the medical community, these mothers aren't really the ones leading the charge, and therefore people aren't doing the things necessary to stay safe from ticks like they did um, in historic times when when humans were being taught how to avoid and be safe from ticks and other other animals in, in the community. So Matt, you uh, you did some quick research to um, to determine how long a period of time uh, the the medical journals had been making observations that were Lyme disease but were never defined as Lyme disease. And and, and I right. think this is this is something you should share with our listeners because it gives more insight into the importance of what was triggered by Polly Murray and Judith Mensch, right. and why they deserve all the credit for what has happened. And if we if we didn't have these guys with MDs running in to save the day, that perhaps the path that we would have taken between 1975 and today would have re- would have made us closer to resolving the problem rather than watching the problem fester and get worse. That's right, Rich. So as early as 1909 in Sweden and France, there were numerous studies of tick bites with a rash including radiating pain, paralysis, anxiety, and meningitis, which is swelling of the brain, uh, classic Lyme disease symptoms, and they went undiagnosed and just sort of, they couldn't figure out what was wrong with these people. Then in the 1930s, they had a similar thing where they had people with tick tick bites and rashes, and then they they were experiencing encephalitis again and disorientation, psychosis, abnormal spinal fluid, all the way up into 1941, and they couldn't figure out what was wrong with these people. And then not until 1975, because of Polly and Judith, did the community finally get involved to figure out what was causing these these symptoms? And these, of course, now we go back and we find that in 1909 that those those studies were actually Lyme disease. So if it weren't for the work of Polly and Judith, this may have continued on this trend if uh, if they didn't get involved and help us. And if they stayed involved and and instead of letting the medical community come in and take over and, and all of these experts, uh, we may be in a better place today than we well, are. But the international medical community had identified the symptoms of Lyme disease and had published um, 
articles on the observations that they were making, at least the symptomatic observations that they were making, and they did connect it to tick bites right. as early as 1909. So the medical community failed as early as 1909, certainly in 1930 with the, with the second Swedish studies, in 1941 in Germany. In 1970, there were even uh, reports in, um, in the U.S. In, in Connecticut. Right. Where where these symptoms had been identified, but the but there was never a there was never a, a drive. To well, not I don't. I, but it's not just a drive. It's there was no name for the problem. There was no proof of the problem, and the problem did not ultimately have a face and a name and a and a description until Ms. Murray and Ms. Mensch demanded that and it, and it, and they demanded it because they are the embodiment of what had allowed humans to deal with this problem for millions of years and yes i understand that we were in different forms until about 200,000 years ago and i recognize that the cognitive re- revolution had changed us significantly uh, you know changed humans significantly but but we have been successfully surviving we had successfully survived in the wild what during the hunter-gatherer phase because we had the tools that we needed to succeed and we evolved to have the tools we need to succeed but we're not focusing on those tools what we're focusing on with our research dollars what we're focusing on with our with our um with our government dollars um is how to find this find this uh, and the met and it's again it's all based around the the traditional medical metaphor which is what which is find and kill right so we we try to find a pill uh, and we try to find an antibiotic that's going to solve every problem and by the way if you don't get better when you take the antibiotic you're not sick right. if you continue to show symptoms of this illness after they give you the antibiotic you're not sick. Yeah. And if you continue to show these symptoms after you take the antibiotic, they're not going to have the insurance company pay for it. And God forbid, if your doctor continues to prescribe this um, this medication to you, he or she will find themselves in a very difficult position. So this is where we are because of because a, of a limited view of uh, of the history of Lyme disease and ticks as tick parasites, as opposed to the longer view that that should be taken. But even more importantly, it's because the historical roots of the retelling of these events have taken us on a path where we're looking for sickness and we're looking to kill the sickness and we're looking at the traditional medical metaphors rather than looking at a larger view. And the larger view, of course, requires us to determine what allowed our ancient ancestors to survive these problems. What were the what were the um, conditions that allowed them to survive, and how do we reacquaint ourselves with those tools and those conditions so that we can we can sur- survive this growing pandemic? And and I suggest to you that if we if we look at the real heroes. Um, and we and we and we define them as the real heroes, and we focus on the tools that Ms. Mench and Ms. Murray utilized to finally give a name and a face to this um, um, uh, terrible condition, and we refocus how we deal with Lyme disease, that we'll become substantially closer to resolving this problem rather than falling victim to this pandemic.